This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically, sorry for the sound quality, um, I'm recording this on my phone because I want to introduce you to another episode that was part of our live show. So this is the episode of BJ Gallagher, who was our first guest of the night. And we did a thing called Around the World with BJ Gallagher. For those of you listening and who weren't there, there was this big mad map behind us. Um, well, it wasn't that mad, actually. It was just a map of the world. And PJ and I would point to different places and PJ would tell us stories of where he had been. Um, it's an absolute cracker of an episode. You'll hear the audience laughing in the background and I really hope you enjoy it. Have a great one. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> it's all fine when we're in studio, but now people are watching. Uh, and they think we know what we're doing, which I clearly don't. Uh, we're going to do... Uh, PJ has a proper job. He works uh, for Radio Nova, hosting a breakfast show, which starts at six o'clock in the morning. So we're going to get him out of here very fast. We're going to do 30 around the world in 30 minutes with PJ Gallagher. I'm so glad I'm on before Luke O'Neill, by the way. <laughs> you don't want to follow that. Yeah, I mean, this is a total a celebration of stupidity. Well, I'm going to come down with like... I kind of, before we start, can I absolutely apologise for looking like a sort of startled potato because I had a really traumatic experience getting here. Like, I was coming in on my motorbike uh, and I got in as far as Connolly Station from Clontarf and my front wheel it kind of exploded on me. Uh, and then I realised I couldn't leave the bike in town and I couldn't, I didn't have time to call the AA. So I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll ride it. Uh, so I, so I, I thought I'd better bring it home and I went all the way home at one decent wheel uh, which was like, I've done a lot of scary things in my life, but driving through rush hour traffic in Dublin with one wheel on a motorbike is up there. It's one of the scariest things I've ever done. Uh, and I made it there and then got a taxi. And when I got into the taxi, the guy had, it looked like COVID combined with a cardiac arrest. <laughs> so the whole way in, he was coughing and holding his chest and driving. Uh, so I don't know, I managed to avoid dying on the road but I'm not sure I'm I'm avoiding COVID I don't know what way this day is going to end and in about five days you're all probably going to have it so (laughs) my gift to you or PJ's gift to you and I know how stressed PJ and I are very good friends and I know how stressed he gets about being late because we both had the same thing about punctuality so he texts me saying the bike's after like that this has happened and this is the voice note I sent him back because I just knew how panicked he would be let me just find it PJ Please don't worry. Like, dude, I know how stressed you now. Don't. Sorry, that's on <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's going to be fine. Um, don't be worried. There is no pressure at all. Please don't worry. Like, if dude, I know how stressed you'll be now. I was stressed. Be stressed. <laughs> if you're late, it's absolutely fine. Just stay calm. Don't be worrying. There is no pressure at all. So I was also trying to calm myself, being like, "What the fuck <laughs> is he mine? I I can't do it on my own. Like, you're meant to warm them up for me." Um. So, but here we are now. Yeah. So here we are. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So when I asked PJ to do the show, he was like, well, what am I going to talk about? Like, we talk, oh, I don't have anything to talk about. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like, you've travelled loads and none of us have travelled at all in the last two years. So like, we'll put up a map and then uh, I'll point at the map and I'll be like, you were here, weren't you? Tell us a story. So that's what we're going to do now. <laughs> so here's but a map. I don't, I've never like t- told travel Shh. stories. Well, you're going to do it now. To you or anyone. <laughs> no, you so have. I don't know if this is going to be any good you at all. You have. You've told me loads of things like I'll say something about Italy and you'll be like, oh, there was this one time I was in Naples and something mad happened with the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> Unless you think. Like, pick somewhere there. 
pick pick somewhere there that you've been, like maybe somewhere around Ukraine because that's relevant. Have oh, you been? Yeah. Well, actually, there's another motorbike story because I was in Kosovo um, on my motorbike. I got I was I was um, just before I started doing naked camera and stuff. Yeah. I was after doing stand up comedy for ten years, and then I said I'm not doing this anymore because there was no one coming to my gigs, and ten years is quite a long time. Uh, and I, like my gigs were essentially standing up in corners of pubs and annoying people having a pint, you know. Uh, and I thought this isn't working. Uh, so I'm going to go on a motorbike trip. Uh, and I, the furthest point I went was kind of around Bosnia, Herzegovina and into Kosovo. I thought I'd go to see Eastern Europe. I thought it'd be really interesting. And it's kind of not like. And then I got to... Uh, uh, and I got to... Was there not a war in Kosovo then? The, no, it wasn't a war. It was, wasn't... You see, that was, this is the thing. I arrived in Serbia and you could pass the front line and there's lots of buildings that were still shelled. It was in 2003. Um, and uh, you know the way you see roadblocks and you're on a motorbike, you just ignore them because you can just ride through them. And then you see those big boulders, so you just ride through them. And I ride, rode through it, and I was riding through this road for quite a while. And then I, I came up to this army post. Oh, God. And they all stood and stared at me. And when I got there, they stopped me and told me I had ridden through a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they showed me a sign, like a road sign, uh, that had this black uh, ball in it and little small balls. They said, anywhere you see that sign... There's mines. It's uh, like, like don't, do, do not stop your motorbike. Do not walk to the side of the road that hasn't been swept uh, since the war. And, uh, and in Serbia, I met this guy who was living kind of in a hut across the road from his house uh, because he had driven in and hit a mine and it had blown up his car. And all these years later, they still hadn't got to the point of sweeping that area. Uh, and he was living across the road from his gaff. Just watching his gaff because... Yeah, no, if he could have been a total liar, but that's, that was the story he told. So him. what, they have to sweep it in case there are other mines? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was like sort of places that hadn't been properly swept for mines, yeah. And what, who was putting the mines in Kosovo? I don't, well, it was there from the war, the three-way war, I suppose. I don't know uh, much about the war in Kosovo, <laughs> except that we had to sing a song. We had to, like, we had to sell... We had to buy CD, a candle for Kosovo, remember that? And there was like... Kosovo, refugees from Kosovo and you had to buy CDs that's all I remember of Kosovo yeah. I was young I mean that's, <laughs> I wasn't this ignorant I just was young but it was gas because then we went into Bosnia and so you say we were oh you sorry on? me sorry me and my bike oh okay. uh, <laughs> I got very attached to that motorcycle I didn't have a lot of company <laughs> you and your bike which is why it was so traumatising when it yeah, lost yeah. to today but I got to this place uh, Medjugorje I don't know if you've heard of Medjugorje I have yeah which is I in, mean only in a religious sense yeah yeah so like I stopped in, in Mostar Mostar was this amazing city but I wanted to go to Medjugorje because my ma had gone there when it was Yugoslavia and she had gone to the Holy Hill and you know they all stood there in the 30 and 40 degrees of sun and fainted and thought it was Holy God that did it uh, <laughs> you know, staring at the sky uh, so I wanted to go to this place and I got to Medjugorje and I like, can't believe it because you've got all these Bosnian people who speak Irish. Uh, Gaelic, like. Yeah, it's all um, because they know that they can sell so much um, religious tash to Irish people. Oh so they've learned just enough to get your attention. So if they think you're Irish, it's like, you know, oh, I, I can't even think of the word for hello in Irish all of a sudden. Diagwitch. Diagwitch. And like, it's, you know, you're buying something that's Garav Mayagot and it's all this and Slán, the whole lot. It was, it was just the weirdest experience. Uh, and Irish Roman Catholic tourism. Irish Roman Catholic tourism. It is like a Disneyland for Catholics. Actually, there's a man who lives next door to me in Noel and he's such a character and uh, he's we don't really know much about him except that he hangs out the window sometimes and it's like, oh, something about Mayo and Dublin football. He's a real dub, like. 
And sometimes he takes our post and obviously gives it to us. But like, he's just like, oh, send me, I have a, I have a letter for you, or whatever. And uh, he, someone in his family, or he, I don't know, went to Medjugorje. <laughs> he leaned out the window one time with a holy medal from Medjugorje. Being like, I said a prayer for you. And I was like, thanks so much. And I, I, I have it still, because I, I, I can't, like, you know when people give you holy stuff, it just feels like, oh God, I can't get rid of this. I don't know, I was in the hospital recently and I threw a set of rosary beads in the bin and... Uh, and, oh, so uh, go back. Why? Uh, why are they in the bin? What happened? No, I, because this I, it was my first day in the hospital, and this woman came up to me and she goes, "I loved your show. Um, my cousin's very sick. Will you pray for him?" And she gave me a set of rosary beads. And like, you threw them in the bin. Yeah, but I was like, I, I'm not. <laughs> and I. St- what about her brother? I can't get over it. I'm traumatized myself. I, I didn't think too much of it. I was like, ah, whatever, I won't use them. And then uh, another patient said, where did you put the rosary beads? And I went, in the bin. She goes, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you can't be doing that. And she gave me a big lecture. And she says, you, can't be, you, you could have said a prayer or given them to a child. Or you could have done, and, uh, yeah. You can't, because they can choke. They're, they're at hazard. You can't give rosary beads to a child. But uh, even though everyone gets them for their communion, but I think they're a choking hazard. <laughs> but what about the brother? The, like, did you have? Did you send him a good intention? Even I, did, I was thinking about him. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 yeah. No, he made it. I, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> he made it that week, anyway. Maybe we should all put rosary beads in the bin. No, I can't. I think holy things, you know, that's why I have I have multiple bottles of holy water. Like we have a new car and I have transferred holy water bottles that my grandmother put in my first car that I now feel like obliged. And there's detritus in it, like there's stuff floating in the holy water. And I'm like, I don't this isn't good, but I can't throw it away and I can't pour it anywhere. Maybe into a plant. No. You, you, it's a real test of the power of the holy water. <laughs> I have a dead plant. You know, if you put it into a plant and it just lives for years, or if it comes to life really strongly on Easter Monday or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I know what yeah. I'm going to do. Um, pick another place on the map there. Oh, God. Have you been to New Zealand? Because it's not on the map. I, I was in New Zealand, yeah. Well, I don't have much stories from New Zealand, though. Um, okay. To be I honest. liked the Maori. That was... Um, I just... I was just so happy. I, I was in New Zealand. The thing, reason I was happy with New Zealand was I had just left Fiji. Uh, and we had done this sort of trip. And when we were going you to... you your bike? No, no, this is me and a guy called Pat. Okay. Uh, so me and Pat, the two Irish Patricks, headed off to Fiji. Uh, and we were doing this kind of round-the-world trip thing. So we... Was Fiji, uh, New Zealand, Australia. This is the pattern of it. And we stopped off in Fiji and uh, we were really tired from traveling, right? And we, we uh, arrived into Fiji and we arrived into this huge bustling airport and there was people just like sort of yelling and they were trying to sell and they're they like looking for foreign people to sort of, you know, take away to sell them tours and this. And we were really tired and we just went with the first woman we met, right? Uh, and because we thought, what can go wrong? Narnia. Uh, yeah. Tonus, you so don't we go with down. the first person you meet. <laughs> yeah, first, literally the first person. She was really nice and smiley and she took us into this room and uh, she said, where do you want to go? We were like, any island. We just want to go to an island and we just want to chill out. And she said, oh, all the islands are booked. Um, that are local but there's this other one and she like say there's a map of Fiji that's like here right and all the islands go like this right the island she chose was like like it was like it looked like it was further than Australia on the map (laughs) and we were like okay uh, is it not really far she was Two hours, two hours roughly. Um, and you get the boat and she charges for the boat. And then we went down to the harbour and there was uh, no boat that we s- thought was a boat. And then this guy who was in what looked like a floating high ace fan with the top cut off looked up and went, everybody in. <laughs> and six of us got into this boat and 
Three hours later, he stopped off at the first island and uh, then two people got out. Then an hour later at sea, we ran out of diesel and they sucked it from one can and put it in and refilled the boat at sea from a, another can. And then we got to another island. They let the other two people out. They ran out of diesel again. We were still at sea. And then we got to this island and it was basically not a tourist island. It was like a tribal island, <laughs> like, uh, and we had nothing. Like, we were so unprepared. Like, we are so unprepared. Like, no nothing. Like, we no jacks rolled, no torches. When it got dark, you just had to sit down where you were and wait for the light to come up. <laughs> just had to sit down. It was the most horrific. Like, we were so unprepared. Um, they, they brought Did you us have to, a place to stay? Yeah, it was this hut, like, made of sticks and rope. And we, and honestly, when it got dark, no electricity. We're just, and one night there was a thunderstorm and thunder and lightning storm. How long, and how many days are we talking on this we island? We were 10 days on this oh island. Oh my God. Yeah, 10 days. And then we're just thunder and lightning storm. Who was providing and, you with food? Oh no, they, this is the thing. When we got off the boat, they unloaded loads of alcohol and food. And that was the alcohol and food they sold to us for the next 10 days. <laughs> so they loaded up the boat with what they were going to sell us. Uh, and when the thunder lightning storm was on, I was sitting on the bed and then there was a crack of lightning and I just saw my friend sitting on the end of his bed looking straight at my face for a split second and then total darkness. And nobody said anything because we knew if somebody said something bad, the other one was going to crack. And the only book we had was on serial killers. And we were like, so we were fighting over this book to read about murder. That was our like light relief for the thing. Uh, and every time we got in the sea, there was these sea lice that kept biting us. Uh, we had no sunblock. We couldn't do anything like that. Like, uh, and we were on this island for 10 days. And after a week on the island, we met two other people, uh, these two Australian lads. And they said, why didn't you go to the other side? There was another place where they sold milkshakes and cake. <laughs> they had electricity. Like, why didn't we? Like, after a week, uh, and it was full of cats, and my friend was terrified of cats, and I was like, I'm sorry, man, but I'm fucking going in. Uh, so I let him stand on the beach and watch me eat cake, which is probably the cruelest thing I've ever done in my life. I remember life. watching Lost and feeling like they haven't explored enough this island. There's probably a resort at the other side of the <laughs> island. How big is this island? Like, how oh, long no, did it take like, you to oh, get to the other side? Oh, no, it was like, like, it wasn't even as big as Bull Island. Like, it was hardly a walk. Like, we were right beside the place, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> oh my god 15 minutes on foot so was the last three days tolerable the last few days were much better yeah the last few days were great uh, but it's just they have this thing in Fiji it's like Fiji time right so anytime you ask anything that. it's, it's Fiji time so they're going everything is like they, it's really funny at the start when you get there it's great it's so laid back you know like what time is the it's what time not, the bar yeah. close oh the bar may close the bar may not close Fiji time yeah Fiji time I like this uh, what time are we going to get our food at <laughs> you may eat you may not eat Fiji time you're like yeah this is fucking great see a week later when's the fucking boat coming he's like the boat may come the boat may not come fiji time when the fuck fiji time I, i'm not cut out for this <laughs> oh i would die i would die it's the same like in in hawaii hawaiian time what time will we arrive we might not arrive i i don't it's why it's a place where people sit in the dark until light because they can't do anything because there's not enough organisation. I wouldn't have coped. How did the boat come back three days later? Oh yeah, no, the boat came back and, that was, and that's when we went to New Zealand and when we went to New Zealand it was like Paradise Island, like, you know. Like civilization. Was, yeah, civilization and spending too much on hotels and that's why I don't have much New Zealand experience because I never wanted to see anything again. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just stay in a hill yeah, just, yeah. the duvet, eat chocolate. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. So I didn't do much in New Zealand, you know. Uh, yeah. The only reason I picked New Zealand because it wasn't on the map, but I'm really glad that we got to hear the Fiji story. 
Taking a break from the show to tell you about our sponsor, humdingermortgages.ie, your new gaff without the faff. Humdinger are an award-winning mortgage brokerage and they specialise in finding the right mortgage for you. The best part is that you deal with the broker and they deal with every major bank in the Irish market so you don't have to trawl around talking to loads of people. They also make the best recommendation on what's the best way to proceed for you specifically and they stay at your side to help you at every step of the way from application to drawing down your mortgage. They're in the mortgage business, right? Not the application business. They have absolutely no interest in putting you through the ringer and getting you to fill out loads of forms without getting a mortgage at the end and they're really honest from the get-go about what the problems might be with your application but then they don't abandon you they will stay by your side and give you the best advice on how to make sure that you are successful the next time you apply they specialise in helping first-time buyers people looking to trade up and people like me who are looking to save ourselves some money by switching our mortgage for a better rate and like for me I'm going to switch my mortgage I'm working with Humdinger because like a reduction of even 0.5% on my mortgage rate can save me like 30 grand in interest over the whole term of my mortgage Mortgages are the biggest financial decision you are ever going to make so take advantage of speaking to experts and go to humdingermortgages.ie to begin your journey Hello, I'm Joe Rooney. And I'm Patrick McDonald. And we have a show called Talking Ted, which is a show about the memories, stories and insights into what has made Father Ted the egg sandwich of Irish TV shows. Yeah, we'll be talking through all the episodes and interviewing people who are on the show. And uh, reminiscing. I think we'll reminisce quite a lot. There's a lot of reminiscing. I remember that time, but not so much this time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the old days, we used to reminisce a lot as well. You can find Talking Ted on the platform that you're listening to now because we are a podcast just like this podcast. So don't forget to uh, look us up. It's absolutely brilliant and it's out now. So listen. So while I have you, I'm going to take the opportunity to um, take you hostage for a minute and tell you about the merchandise that we are selling. We have notebooks and pens, which are branded with the basically branding. And you should buy them. You should buy them because it's a lovely notebook. Who doesn't need a notebook? If you are a Headstuff podcast member, if you buy the notebook, you get the pen for free. It supports me. It supports the podcast. It supports the producers, the people who work on the show and means that we can continue to make these podcasts and give them to you for free. If you want to become a Headstuff podcast member, if you get a lot from the podcast and you think, God, I'd like to support Stephanie and the podcast, you can become a Headstuff podcast member for five euro plus that. Uh, or you can give more if you want to. Go to headstuffpodcast.com and you can click register there and you pick a podcast. You can pick up to three podcasts. If you pick three podcasts, what happens there is that the five euro that you're giving gets split between the three podcasts that you're supporting. Or you can pick just one podcast. Say you pick my podcast, then you'll get my bonus material for free and all of the bonus material for all of the other podcasts on the network. So it's a really, really good deal. Five euro, all of these special podcasts. So if you want to do that, do it. I'll be very, very grateful. The people who are in the community, the Headstuff podcast members are my favourite people. They support the podcast. They mean that you can listen to this podcast for free. It's five euro a month. I'm going to stop talking now, but I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Oh, and also, if you cannot afford to support the podcast, but you want to support the podcast, you can also give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a good review or share the podcast with two other people. That's it. Just send the podcast to two other people who will listen to it, who you think will benefit from it. That helps to get our listeners up, which helps us get sponsorship. It's all how it works. And uh, yeah, I'd be really grateful if you do that too. Bye. Have you ever been to Africa? Uh, Only Morocco. Which Uh, isn't really Africa. It's not really Africa. It's not really, the, and, and, and the only story I have about Morocco is disgusting because the inevitable thing happens where I drank the water. Because uh, everybody says, don't drink the water. 
don't drink the water. You go, I'm not stupid, I won't drink the water. And I went to a restaurant and I said, can I have a Coke? And she said, you want ice? And I said, yes. Uh, and you drank the And water. then I was walking down the road and I felt my stomach go, and I thought, nothing to worry about. I'll do that when I go back to the hotel. No big deal. And a couple of minutes later, it went, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll go now. Maybe I'll just get this over with and carry on with my day and see some sights. Uh, and about 10 minutes later, I just... And it was like my bum got heavy. It was like I realised this was a now or never situation. And I was like literally running through the streets looking for somewhere I could go, like running through the streets. And all the locals know what why, 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 why idiot is just running through the streets. You know, at this point, there's la young lads following me to see what happens, you know. Uh, and, uh, and their version of naked camera. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then you get to the point where you can't run because if you open your legs too much, it's all going to happen at once. So it's like speed walking. Yeah, so you start doing this thing where you move one leg, going, whoa, that's enough of that leg. <laughs> and then you move the other leg really fast, and that's enough of that, and you clench, and you move the other leg. Uh, and I made it, right? I, I, I got into a, in, into a hotel, and I, I got into the toilet, and I made it. For a second, I thought nothing was going to happen. And then it was like, it was like, I, I don't want to be disgusting, but it was like an anal roar. Uh, <laughs> And a, and a kid who was with his dad in the cubicle next to us went, Daddy, was that a lion? <laughs> so, yeah. That's not the story I thought I was going to tell in your podcast, by the way. This is like, of all the stories I thought were going to come out tonight, that's not one. That's what happens when your stomach wants things come out. Um, that's so funny. So that's your. So that's our Africa story. That was our trip to Africa. Well, yeah, the cultural capital of the world, and that's my my contribution. I'm like less interested in America, but I feel like you've done like Route 66 and things, have you? I did all that, yeah. Um, I I did, but and I suppose when you're going to the states or you're going to Canada, it's excess, really, isn't it? I, I like uh, I was going over to do gigs in in Montreal. That's not the US, I, was, I, I guess, but I was going over to US to do, or to Montreal to do this, the, the festival, and uh, I got onto the plane, and I, for some reason I got bumped up to first class. Uh, she said because I left it so late to book or whatever, which wasn't my fault. Uh, we didn't know who was supposed to book the Handy, flights. Uh, so she put me into first class. I was like, I'd never been in first class before. I was like so excited. And before the plane took off, they told us the uh, entertainment system was broken, that we couldn't watch movies. I was like, oh, what a bummer. Like, what am I going to do? Um, and they gave us menus and I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. I'm going to eat. Uh, so, and had you been to Morocco at this stage? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this, yeah. Is, this is years after that. <laughs> right, okay. So uh, you've learned. So um, they came down. And they said, uh, "Do you want wine?" And I says, "Yeah." And they said, "Red or white?" And I says, "I'll have both." <laughs> and then they said, "Starters." And I says, "One of each." And there was a guy sitting next to me who was, in fairness to him, like without casting aspersions, he was a big lad, like, uh, and he started listening to me. Uh, and then they said, "What do you want for the main course?" And I said, "One of each." Uh, and then they came down for dessert and they asked him what he wanted and he looked at me and went like this and I said, one of each. And he goes, I'll have one of each too. 
And the two of us were indulging ourselves uh, ridiculously to the point that they were offering us cheese at the end. Uh, and I was like, one of each. Uh, I just got completely disgustingly stuffed for the whole trip, uh, which was one of the best things about that whole trip to Canada, to be honest. Did you get first class on the way back? No. No, no, I didn't. No, no, I got a lesson in humility when I was over in Canada because I, I remember walking down the street and this guy, this homeless guy stopped me and he spoke French. And I said, sorry, I don't speak French. And he, he, in English, he said, can you spare a couple of dollars? And I went, oh, my God, even the beggars are bilingual. Like, <laughs> they're going, literally, this place is unbelievable. unbelievable. Like, everybody's educated here. And uh, yet homeless. And yet homeless, yeah. Which I thought was mad, because when I went to Canada, I, I, had to, I thought I had to apply for a visa. And uh, I contacted the Canadian embassy, and they sent me an email back saying, that's fine, don't worry, print this email out, it'll be enough. Uh, at border and I thought that'll never work uh, and it did uh, just a, a photocopy of an email was enough to do a, couple, a week's work in Canada Was this before 9-11? No, no it was way after That's yeah. mad why are they so that sounds like that story Noel tells of when he went to England I don't know where you are Noel but he went to England with his mum from Knock and he didn't have a passport so she just showed a picture of him and her at, the, at his Holy Communion he was like this is my son <laughs> Where are you? Oh, you're there. Yeah, yeah. didn't that happen? True story, yeah. <laughs> Knock Airport. Um, were the, did you find the Canadians ridiculously polite? Uh, uh, well, it was, it's Montreal, so it's a different type of Canadian. French. French Canadian, yeah. So they're not as polite. Uh, because they're French. Yeah, because they're French. Uh, and they're so protective on the language and stuff. Uh, so they're really forgiving when it comes to English-speaking foreigners like me but they're not forgiving with each other so english-speaking canadians they're they won't talk to them in english uh, and they have language police and stuff who police the shops and stuff and that and that like, if, like so words like sandwich are banned from windows in in montreal because oh, wow. it's a Angli they're terrified of the anglicization whatever that word is uh, of the language and stuff so it's 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 a bizarre kind of a place but Doesn't i loved it well, it doesn't sound like somewhere I would be interested in, but then I don't really like French. I tried it. But, but it is friendlier than the States. Like, I mean, I got there, everyone in Canada was so nice. Like, they were so nice. And they went out of their way to, to um, understand me and help me out and everything. And after that, we were doing a gig in New York and I went to the subway and I was like, uh, I need to get a, a subway to wherever, the Bronx or whatever. And she was like, what? I was like, a subway to the Bronx. She goes, he goes, Sir, there's a machine over there got all kinds of languages on it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, am I really that bad? <laughs> Have you been to New York many times? Yeah, loads of times. Yeah. Do you like it? I, I don't know if I do. It's 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 huge and it's bulky and it's got a real attitude, like it thinks it's the center of the universe. It really does, and it's dirty and and like when you blow your nose at the end of the day, there's dirty snot in there. Sorry, but like it's dirt, like it's like it's toxic. No. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I I lived in Boston for a while. Like, that's I a much nicer place. Much nicer place. But a lot of people, like, you can't be Irish in Boston and not hear, "Oh, I'm Irish every day." Yeah, yeah. Especially when I was working there it was in '97. It was when I was working there. Okay. And uh, I I got there and I was in Las Vegas for a night the night before, um, one night, and I lost all my money, and I mean everything. What like did you everything. put it on? I don't know. It was this game. It's like Chinese. Um, it's got a Chinese name and they look like dominoes. Okay. And I was really drunk. And every time I touched one, they took 20 quid off me. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and I had nothing left. And I'd arranged for a friend of mine to meet me in Logan Airport the next day. And I'd no hotel in Vegas, so I just stayed up all night, uh, drunk and roaming around. And they found me in the car park downstairs in Logan Airport. And then we, uh, he thought I would have money to get a tea train back. We had uh, no money. Like it was, the whole thing was a disaster. Uh, it's so unlike you because you're so good at betting. I, well, yeah. Sometimes PJ and I go to the bookies because I just think it's kind of gas. And like, because we, we go for a coffee and then across the road there's a bookies. And I'd be like, come on. So PJ taught me how to put on my first bet. But it was on like a fake race that was like a cartoon, cartoon horses, race. Yeah. Cartoon horses. <laughs> and I always lose. Like I'm really bad. And then because also... We were thinking of switching our mortgage and I don't want the new mortgage people to see that I sometimes put on a bet. So last weekend I texted PJ and I was like, would you put a 20 euro bet on the Grand Prix for me? So he was like, yeah, who do you want to win? And I said, Carlos signs first, but he came second. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I didn't go each way. So I lost my 20 euro. So that's all just to say that sometimes PJ and I put on bets um, and then I revolute him the money so that he puts the bet on for me but anyway I didn't uh, I lost that but you're very you're, you, you usually win and I usually lose. no I only talk about the wins uh, I oh, usually yeah. lose <laughs> okay well anytime I've been with you you've won but maybe I'm the good luck term yeah maybe anyway yeah. in Las Vegas you lost all your money oh yeah what? and then I, w- I woke up in Boston and then I had to get a job in Boston um so they what were you there for why were you on this trip i was just traveling i was just traveling you around. weren't gigging like you weren't no 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 to... this isn't the 90s i hadn't done a gig at all yet okay yeah. uh, and i got there to the lads and i, I they I, they got me a job doing roofing right uh, and I, I i remember saying to my friend here like don't worry about it i don't care what the job is because he goes this is hard like this is fucking hard work roofing. and you're not great with diy like and i i'm terrible at diy and I used to tell Tom, don't worry about it. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's putting in a day's work. Don't worry about it. Um, so I turned up and they we put us into the back of this pickup truck and drove us to New Hampshire. It was miles away. And put us onto this roof that was like the size of a football pitch. And it was felting the roof. So I was in shorts. And if you put your knee on the roof, it's like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. You burnt your knee. Uh, and they gave me a roller, like a paint roller, but tiny. They'll have to roll all the edges of this roof and I got totally sunburned on one side of my face and the other side of my face was all white with like liquid pouring out of it and like no water uh, and it got to lunchtime and I ran away right so I ran away but, but I didn't know where I was so I was just like <laughs> on a freeway like looking at cars and then I realised I had to go back and when I went back your man started shouting at me going like where were you you asshole uh, you know the, you get up and go to roofing and I got, got up again and the whole day and then I was getting really dehydrated every time I stood up I'd see them black and white and getting dizzy and uh, everybody was telling me that I wasn't cut out for the job and <laughs> then I noticed they, one fella like about five o'clock that day opened the freezer and started drinking water and I was like what's that been there all day I no idea uh, uh, and they took us away and I, I escaped I never went back I never even wanted to get paid but the lads came into the house that day and I didn't make it onto the bed just my arm and my head was on the bed and the rest of me brought red raw was there and I was in the nude just in bits like suffering and, and uh, still no money still no money so I went painting uh, <laughs> after that uh, in Boston College but I realised that if you used varnish on the banisters it just looked like you painted them <laughs> so <laughs> So I varnished banisters and got enough money to come home. <laughs> Wasn't exactly some people right. in Boston College being like, God, this is, why is it so tacky? What's, what's <laughs> happening here? That was Boston. So did you meet people who were like, oh, are you Irish? I'm Irish. Yeah, there was all of that. There was all. And were we were they being staying, friendly like? 
Yeah, they were friendly. That's, yeah, but to their detriment, because we were staying in this house and um, there was this there was this sort of other Irish house and they kept breaking into our house and like doing stupid things. You know, we were young guys and like that match old bullshit was happening. They came and they put loads of imac in our hair and everything one night and we all had ball patches and like, uh, you know, all this stuff was happening. And then they came in, they punched holes in the ceiling. They wrecked the house and then the landlord came in and he flipped out and we had to sort of leave the house then and we'd nowhere to stay and uh, we got into a taxi and then we realised we'd no money. We thought, we'll do a run around the taxi and all the doors open and one guy's door opened and he fell asleep on the dashboard and the taxi man robbed his passport and it was this huge drama happened and then we were kind of effectively on the run because the landlord was after us, the taxi man was, was after we? us. Who were these people? And me and my friend. Uh, who picked you up from Logan Airport? Yeah, yeah, him. And, and we were kind of on the run and then this guy who gave us a job and looked after us says, listen, just stay in my house tonight and leave the state tomorrow. Uh, so we were there, brilliant and we went to the supermarket and bought a pizza and we both fell asleep and woke up and his kitchen was on fire. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and our first instinct wasn't, uh, you know, to put out the fire. It, it was, was to, to run. No, turn off the smoke alarm. Don't want to wake him because he'll get upset. So we were like covering the smoke alarms with our t-shirts and stuff. Uh, and, uh, How did he react when he found out? Oh yeah, no, he he was he was must have been fairly drunk because he didn't wake up, uh, and we left again the next morning before he did because he would have killed us. Um, yeah, it, it sounds like the start of one of these podcasts that like these guys, these Irish guys, trawling across Boston, destroying people's houses, destroy, and, and just two Irish people on the run or a group. We of were you. just yeah, horrible young fellas that. Which, which couldn't get anything right, you know. We couldn't do anything right. We were, there was this pub because there was at that time there was the Green Pages. It was like a you got a magazine. And it was just full of jobs for kind of Irish who didn't have visas. Right. Okay. And uh, we got those Green Pages, and then they would tell you what pub you could go to to cash your checks, and they would cash the check, and then you'd be they give them a percentage of your check and oh, okay. all like, that sort of stuff. So, so like an was, Irish illegal immigrant. Yeah, it was mafia. kind of it was very exciting. You know, it was very exciting at the time, but um. Yeah, it didn't end very well. And then I, huh? Have you been allowed back into the States? Oh, since? yeah, yeah. I've gone back to Boston and everything, yeah. And <laughs> after that, I went to New Jersey and was I was shoveling horse shit for a while uh, in, in the Meadowlands, which was kind of a, a funny job. Yeah. Just trying to earn money. Or? Just trying to earn money, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was like weird time. It's no wonder I came back and got into comedy because I realized I couldn't do a normal day's work. But you also had a lot of fodder there to like, you know, you had a lot of, you'd done a lot of stuff to tell stories about. Well, I suppose so, but I've never told the story until now. <laughs> well, there you go. we've all enjoyed it. Uh, can we come back to Europe or China? Have you been to China? Yeah, yeah, towards China, um, doing gigs in in China, which was amazing. I don't know much about China. I'm interested in ancient China, but I've heard that people hold their children over bins that yeah. like they don't have nappies. Yeah, there's a, a lot of kids have just a little flap on the back and then they do a poo and the parents will hold them over the bin. Like on the public street? Yeah, yeah. China was, China's a, China is bonkers, but I loved China. Like everything about the Chinese experience was amazing because uh, we were doing gigs and I was doing gigs with this guy called Andrew, right? And we arrived in Hong Kong. This old, uh, Andrew um, is a Chinese person. No, no, he's an okay. Irish guy. Right, okay. Uh, and we arrived into the, this the Chinese sort of like um, embassy to get our work visas for China. And uh, we were walking around this, like the communist building. We're like, this is so exciting, whatever. And uh, we went up to the hatch and we're like, you know, Chinese visas uh, t- for two weeks. And she didn't know what we were saying. And Chinese visas, it was a real communication breakdown. And then this guy, John, this English guy with us goes, no, you have to speak Chinglish. And we're like, what? And he goes, you have to speak to them with a Chinese accent or they won't understand you. And I went, well, I'm not fucking doing it. 
I am not standing in the in the Chinese being like a racist, going hello. I'm not doing. I'm not. I am not doing it. Like, I am not doing it. And then he goes up to the counter and he goes, well, "We need visa, China, two weeks." And she goes, "Why he not say?" <laughs> like, this, like this is just the most bizarre. <laughs> this whole thing is starting off so weird. Uh, so she just didn't understand your Dublin accent. Just had a clue. Yeah, once English. again, just communication breakdown. And uh, we flew into Beijing, and we were doing gigs in Beijing, and we were doing, and we flew to this other city called Qingdao. I had never even heard of this city, and it was on St Patrick's Day, and we did a, vi- a gig in Qingdao on St Patrick's Day, and it was the most awful gig of my life. It, like it was just Why? a bunch of Chinese lads smoking cigarettes, just watching us who didn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't laughing and you were and just... No, they just... Apparently, uh, someone told them that we were in there trying to make money just standing up and talking and they kind of found it hard to believe so they came in for a look. Uh, and it was just bizarre because, like, we're in the city Qingdao in the middle of China and I'd never heard of the city before and after we did this gig... And I died, obviously, on my arse. I had this horrendous gig. Like, it was awful, you know. But just... how can it be horrendous if... Obviously, they're not laughing but they're also not understanding. It's not that your jokes are failing and they're not laughing. They just oh, yeah. don't understand No, your... yeah, it was just... Com- just com- so no, at that point, it's just a translation. But then this guy came up to me and he goes, uh, how's it going? Uh, I was like, all right. And he goes, oh, I used to live in Fairview. Like kind of a half Dublin accent, you know. I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, do you know Fairview?" I'm there going, "I'm from Marino." I <laughs> <laughs> said, "Oh yeah." You see, we learned his English in uh, in Dublin. He lived in Fairview for like twelve oh, Chinese years. Chinese guy, the Chinese guy, yeah, just up the road from where I grew up. It was the most. Just Ireland is such a small, or a strange place. Like, and but, so he's just he came here to learn English and then went back to Qingdao. Yeah, yeah, and then... Did he laugh at your gig? Did he listen? No, because nobody laughed. In fact, it got, that gig was so bad that if anybody laughed, it actually would have ruined it. <laughs> and so where did you go else? Where else did you go in China? We did Shanghai, and, but that was all to expats and stuff. That was great, and the Hong Kong gigs were, were great. And uh, Beijing was good crack, but like in fairness to Des Bishop, like we were, we were in there doing this, this gig, and Des Bishop turned up just to see our gig and ended up doing 10 minutes in Chinese. Oh my God. Like Fair it play. was kind of incredible, like in fairness to him. Were they laughing then? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it was it was amazing. And his, he turned up with his Chinese friend, Leo. Uh, and Leo used to be the bouncer in the comedy cellar in Dublin. He was like the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Chinese bouncer and lovely guy, but really straight. And one night in the comedy cellar, he goes, I want to do a joke. And we're like, no, because Leo... <laughs> You're a lovely bloke. Everybody loves you, but you're the unfunniest person we've ever met. And he goes, no, no, I want to do one joke. Before I leave the job, I want to do one joke. And he got up on stage in the comedy cellar and in Chinese did this huge, big, long, drawn-out joke, delivered the punchline, nobody laughed, and then he went, oh, no, you've heard it before. Des just as his friend or just was he, friend, does yeah. he do comedy now back in China no 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 he just he, he met a Chinese girl in Dublin and they moved back home yeah. that's gas yeah, yeah. I, li- I also like the idea that Des would come and support you yeah in fairness but then also him. steal your thunder kind of a little bit <laughs> yeah he did yeah but it was yeah but, <laughs> but in fairness like that's quite an accomplishment yeah but like coming into a Chinese audience being like oh, fuck these guys but like listen to this joke and then letting <laughs> off how does he feel about Chinglish uh, Des? Yeah. I don't know. I mean... Just, he probably doesn't have to use it. I he don't think he does. Yeah, he has Chinese, so he doesn't have to use it, yeah. How did you find the food over there? I loved it. I Apparently it's loved... nothing like Chinese food here. No, no. I, I, when, I was in, when I was in Germany, uh, I was in uh, Dresden, and I met uh, a Japanese guy called uh, JP. Uh, 
And so PJ and JP went off uh, for a couple of beers. Was right? he named after the Pope? Uh, no, there just I, seems to be a, like a group of men who were all born in and around 1979 who all are called JP. <laughs> yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. But, but I met JP in Dresden and the two of us went off. Uh, we were staying in a room in the hostel and uh, he said he learned English in Cork. Uh, and I was there, oh, how was that? And he goes, oh, he goes, <laughs> I, I got really homesick. And I said it to the woman I was staying with. And when I came home, she had ordered a Chinese. <laughs> And it was like chicken balls, and he said some sort of brown sauce, obviously curry sauce, and like chips, and, you know, and all the, And she'd gone, surprise! He's Japanese. And he's Japanese! And apparently he started crying and said to her, this is not Japanese food, this is fucking English food. <laughs> but he was like, he really apparently appreciated the effort, like, but, yeah. Tell us about the actual, the actual food in China. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so diverse, like it's... it's you didn't have a Moroccan experience, like... No, no, far from it. I mean, it depends, you can get anything you want in China, like anything, like anything from scorpions on sticks to like just regular food. And, and are the scorpions and, on sticks sort of like the way they have those things in Taito Park, that they're like just for tourists? I don't know, or I have do a feeling that they is a bit like that. I have a feeling it's a bit of a battered Mars bar. Do you know that way? Yeah, like I feel like Chinese people are not going like, I'll take one of those scorpion skewers on my way to work. Yeah, I have a f- yeah. Uh, the only time we ever saw them was when we were in sort of Beijing where in the touristy areas and yeah. stuff. So I don't, I honestly don't know. Did you try one? No, I didn't. Are you joking? No way. I feel like you'd be really adventurous with food, no? I'm not really, no. No. No, I, I, I had a worm cake for the show once and it was the most disgusting thing. So... A worm cake. Yeah, we had air- earthworm cake and chocolate-covered crickets, which yeah, which weren't bad. But oh. then you can put chocolate on anything, and then it kind of masks the taste. Yeah, of it. yeah. Okay, so we're going to be near. How are we doing for time? Okay. Oh, is that me? That's you. But how, do you want to finish with one last story? You can pick any country you want, or you can leave. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't mean or. Or I'm giving... <laughs> okay, I'll leave. Sorry. I, sometimes I'm just very direct. I just mean like, I'm very grateful for the time you've already given us oh, and you are free <laughs> to leave. I don't want to pressure you into doing that. So I'm giving... Maybe I'll try <laughs> fall off my bike the next time. Right? <laughs> Please, if you have time for one last story, share it with us. And I then... don't know what to say. I just, maybe I'll, I'll just, I don't know. Uh, my favourite country I've ever been to is Colombia. Maybe I'll just finish on that, I suppose. Yeah, I thought you couldn't get into Colombia with an Irish passport because the IRA. Not at all, no. Urban no. legend, sorry. Colombia was my favourite country I've ever been in, just because um, it was the, it's the friendliest country I've ever been in. Uh, but it's unnervingly friendly. So we got to Colombia and uh, my wife, uh, my, she's my ex now, but she's still my best mate. And we went over there and she has family in Colombia. Um, so we arrived over and she kind of looks Colombian, you know, because um, she's got the sallow skin, the brown eyes and everything. And everywhere we went, because I speak Spanish and she doesn't, uh, they would just ignore me completely and speak to her in Spanish. And to the point that I was getting the hump over it. I was like, yo hablo espanol. Not tiene, yeah, you know, hey, not nada. Like I was getting upset. <laughs> uh, um, and then everywhere we went in um, in Bogota was weird because you walk into a place and it's kind of like everybody stares at you. 
Um, and everywhere that you go, there's roadblocks and sniffer dogs and the whole lot. And we were like, oh, this is... Why? Because of drugs? Yeah, there's roadblocks are everywhere because of the drugs thing. But okay. then you realise what's going on. They're just all, The roadblocks are just young guys. They have this traffic light system in school where if you draw green, I think you go to the police. If you draw yellow, you get the prison service. If you draw red, you get the army. Uh, and you do your national service this kind of way. And then you get there, they're just bored kids and they're quite happy to have a crack if you just talk to them. Uh, and all the places you go in, people were staring at us, like proper staring. Because you and, were Westerners. Uh, yeah, but we were like, kind of felt threatened by it until once we started waving back. And then as soon as you wave, they come over and they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, and you realize that everybody's just trying to start conversation. Like everybody wants to talk. It was, and that was, it was brilliant. It was such an amazing place to go. And the only downside was her family because uh, the, the, uh, the Latino thing is you just do everything together. Like everything together. So I was like, uh, I'm going to go for a walk. And then 20 people go, yeah, we're going for a walk. Uh, <laughs> And then there's 20 of you going, I was like, this is obviously you fuckers I was trying to get away from. Like, uh, Which most, like, yeah, also have to know, PJ, more, like myself, we like our alone time. Like, so like, 20 people following you around Columbia is not enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to get pizza. Like, why everyone will get pizza? Like, and everyone just drops what they're doing. And, like, next thing, there's kids being put into coats and the whole lot. And, like, so everywhere we went, like, until the point I was going, we have to get away from your family as soon as we can. Uh, she didn't take offense to that. No, not at all. She was dying to get away from them as well. Uh, it was just an escape, you know, but it's a, uh, but I don't know, I don't have much to say about it other than that. It was well, just, it was a great spot. You have to be on a radio show in less than 10 hours and you're going to have to probably do something about your bike. So I will let you go. But ladies and gentlemen, PJ Gallagher, thank you so much. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.